That's where we're starting. Nibbling on sponge cake, watching the sun bake. All of those tourists covered with oil. Strumming my six string. Welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf, a guide to high-quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. All right. It's been a little while, six weeks, since we've been in the lab with our pens and our pads, and we've got a a full list of docket of items we're going to be talking about. You know, we just entered in with our good friend Jimmy Buffett. And rest in peace, Jimmy, after 76 years of age and a billion dollars of money, uh, he passed. We're going to talk about Jimmy as our current event and, and what he meant to us. We are also going to talk about wildfires and leading through tragedy, like leadership through tragedies, how we handle them. What do we do as a leader and how do we be more effective in supporting people and teams through tragedies and we're also going to be talking about transitions through company acquisitions and working through the transition of a bigger company or a smaller company purchasing or acquiring a company and what do you do as a as a leader what do you do as an employee glenn will hit us with some of the employee side what do you do as a leader when you get acquired and and how you be progressive in that change and then our cocktail du jour, this is a fun one. Um, me and Clint both grew up in this city. We're, we're going to nickname it uh, the Surrey Special. It is the Bicycle Thief. The Bicycle <laughs> Thief, yes it is. And we both have history behind Bicycle Thief. Uh, I'm going to dig into it right now because it's fun. I had my bicycle stolen. Okay, I had yeah. a house party one year. <laughs> okay. In Surrey, my parents were away, and some of my friends came over, and then a lot more friends come over. This is before cell phones. This is before, like, you know, you had to phone a person. Like through, late 70s. Uh, yeah. not, no, not late 70s. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. yeah. Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah. I see my age here. And so there was a lot of people came over, and... Um, that evening was fantastic. It was fun, a lot of fun. Parents went away. Me and my brother hosted a party. It was incredible. I woke up in the morning, and my bike was missing. My Marucci. My oh, the bike. Marucci. My, my Marucci mountain bike was, yeah. was missing. I was like, oh, I just put new tires on that, right? I mean, you know, you did. And fun little fact, I looked to the left of the Marucci, and my dad's boat was stolen. <laughs> so... Incredible. Somebody had to like physically move the boat, put it on a trailer. What size boat? Maybe like a big boat? Like, or I, guess, I don't know. Six, eight, like a little fishing boat? Or? Like a fishing boat, oh, okay, but not right. like a little boat. But like it's still a, a boat. double, double yeah. hull <laughs> boat. And they took the boat and threw my, I'm assuming, my bicycle in the boat and then took it off. A professional operation right there. That's. It was probably my cousin. <laughs> it, was, it was probably. I was related to that guy. Son of a, and yeah, so. I lost, uh, and so this this cocktail and Clint. I think you have something about a bicycle thief too. But you know, we grew up the hard streets of Surrey, so it's it, things happen. Yeah, yeah. Mine's a little different than yours, but um, 
I was riding my bike by a local high school. It's called Holy Cross. I didn't go to that high school. It was right close yeah. to my house there. And uh, a bunch of the Holy Cross kids, they were older. I think I was, I wasn't even in high school yet. I think I was grade six or seven. And they came over like, I want your bike. It's a nice new like 21 speed from Costco. Oh, 21 speed. oh it was a good bike. Yeah, yeah, I think I got it for my birthday. And I'm like, no, I'm like, you know who my dad is? And I was trying to be tough with these guys and I got punched a few times in the face and then they took my bike. And what was good though is my brother and his friends were home. They were four years older and they were older than they these went kids. Back down to and I went I ran home, bloody nose, and my brother and his buddies went back there and they got fun, they got the bike back. Yeah. Yes. It was good. It was it was a good good redemption. Um but yeah, you know, it was common commonplace to get your bike stolen. We don't sorry. condone that now. No, 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 no. I, I would suggest maybe just phoning the police to have them assess. And back then, that was that was the way it was done. Yeah. That was the way it was handled. You, you handled your own justice. Yeah, yeah. Versus <laughs> now, you, you don't handle your justice. So we don't condone going to get your bicycle back with your brother and his friends because no, of course thing, not. things have changed over the last 15 20 years uh real quick story i was working at earl's when i was 21 i was a bartender slash server and we had cameras in the back and one of the uh, servers had his bike stolen that he rode to work yeah and we had it caught on camera and the person that stole it was wearing this bright green shirt and so we drove around and we found this homeless guy wearing a bright green shirt and he had and he had the, the bike so we called the police we did the right thing yeah. and we said so we found this guy he had already sto- sold the bike it was gone the pawn shop yeah. and i remember the police officer actually telling me this was in guilford in surrey and he said you would have been better off just like, going to get your bike going to get your bike yourself than waiting for us because by the time we got here your bike was already gone it was already that's sold. that's 30 years ago once again we don't condone that the police <laughs> are way right. better right now and reporting and doing their jobs absolutely and we pay them to do their jobs and that's all part of our taxation um so we're we're not promoting vigilante justice and nor are the rcp or no police no, no. this is a one-off situation yeah. or two off i have to say off. that your There's voice tonight is very um soft and subtle smooth mm, like, smooth sounds like jason uh, philip kraus jason <laughs> buffett Jason Buffett. Oh, let's get into that. Yeah, current yeah. event. So, cur- current event, everybody. If you haven't, if you're living under a rock, um, our good friend Jimmy Buffett has passed away at the age of 76, peacefully at home. Or he actually didn't disclose where he was with his um, dogs. He had lots of dogs, family, and his music. And the reason I bring it up as a current event is just how he changed how you would feel so i've had a bad day at work and i loaded up a jimmy buffett song or he went to margaritaville in las vegas or something something about how he reached me as a leader as a person where i could just let go i could just respectfully you know have it's low-key fun he allowed me to escape kind of the current situation just enjoy life have a beer have a margarita and just just kind of relax he that his calming, music his yeah, calming his, effect yeah, yeah his for music sure. his connection to people just really like i don't say chill but it's just really calming he was never in a he was never seen to be in a in a hurry no yeah i had i wrote down here generational talent and and i don't know if that's the right terminology for what my thought process was but you know Margaritaville was released in 1977. Yeah, yeah. 
but if you listen to it today it sounds oh. it's almost sounds like a modern song like it could have been written 10 years ago you know so uh, I, I think that he he crosses many platforms with you know he's he's a folk artist but he's also labeled as a country artist and he's dabbled in a bit of both a little bit of rock yeah he's touched a lot of people's lives and you're right i i feel i always feel happy when i listen to his music Mm -hmm. and i think that most people probably listen to us today can agree with that statement yeah and i i lived in a bit of a different household with my father being more rock and roll and my mom being more crooner and a little bit of classical but having Jimmy would pop on or would be on the radio. He'd be on C-Fox or whatever their local rock station. It, it was okay. Yeah. It, he was not an enemy to anyone. So he could he could go from pop to country to rock. He could be on every station. Sorry. And it was accepted. And even like a heavy metal guy would be like, yeah, blah, headbanger. Well, Jimmy's on. Well, I can have a beer to that. I can I can go hoist a couple beers to Jimmy's song and and you know what? He's he's he, honestly he was a cool dude. He's just a dude. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So he was born in forty six, uh, seventy six years old, a year younger than my father. So for me, I kind of I that's what I kind of relate to. Like whoa man, like I know my dad's getting there, but I thought. It kind of hit home. I don't know how Jimmy passed away. He's a bill. Yeah, he's, he's a billionaire. He's, he's worth a billion, a billion dollars. Yeah. I imagine he's got the best medical attention and, and doctors oh, in sure the world. For sure, for sure. So it must have been something aggressive, um, or or maybe it was something. I don't know. Was he sick for a long time? Do you know any of the details? No, I didn't. They did, they're pretty quiet on the disclosure. They said he was sick and he canceled a few concerts. Okay, and, so it wasn't something and, sudden. And, no, like a car accident and delayed or, a few concerts, but. Okay. Uh, um, you're just going to miss him. I mean, I never got a chance to see him. I know a couple of my friends have seen him lots in, in California, um, in Long Beach and a few other locations out there. Hunting, Huntington Beach, he used to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. But uh, it's going to kind of miss him. Just, uh, I'll continue to listen to his songs. They're generational, and I'll listen to them when we go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. We sit on the beach, and we, we rock Jimmy Buffett. And, Absolutely. You know, Balma Breeze, Margaritaville. It's just, it's just fun. It it's, releases a freedom within you and allows you to just kind of forget that life stresses and the pressure of totally. everyday life. Reminds me a lot of uh, the Tom Petty type music, you know, and same type of feeling when he passed away. It's, it's, for me, it was road trip music. It always felt like vacation. I was on the road, I'm traveling, and I'm dry, the wind's blowing in my non-existent hair, and mm. and that, that that's the music I want to listen to, so... Yeah, he'll, he'll be missed, and, uh, you know, so here's here's to Jimmy. Yeah, here's Jimmy. All right, so we are going to get into something that's, I say, powerful. And we've, we've talked about kind of the change in environment, the change in earth, and, and the impacts of what we do as human beings to our earth. And that's leadership through tragedies and we've seen a numerous amount of tragedies in the six weeks between us our last recording in season three episode four and season three episode five and those tragedies were i'll count them off a little bit for you the lahaina fire in maui that literally wiped up all of lahaina minus one house we'll talk about a little bit about that one house We've had a tragedy in West Kelowna, wipe out 190 structures between West Kelowna 
and the Shushwap. And we've also had a tragedy of wildfires in Northwest Territories. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't... that that's just the tip of the iceberg I mean there's been wildfires all over the country all over Canada all over the US but these are the ones that just happened that are the most impactful to me and you yeah closest to home yeah Yeah, closest to home and places that honestly we go to frequently like I'm not this is like every year I go to West Kelowna or every year I go to Lahaina or every year I go to Shuswap these are lakes. These are places of of reprieve, yeah, of retreat. Or you, or you know people in in all those communities, I and do. not just vacation people. People, people that live there are, live there full time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, what do we do as leaders in those situations where the wildfires take a place? And I know everyone wants to help. And I've seen Jason Momoa and The Rock and all these movie stars talking about what they think they should do or what we they think all, all of us should do. When we should probably just stop talking and listen to the people that live on the land. Yeah. And we don't need movie stars. We don't need them to tell us what to do. What we need to do is listen to the people that live on the land to tell us what they need from us. For sure, yeah. As step one, right? as step one, I, I I don't mind, I don't mind the Jason Momoa's and the Rocks raising funds. Oh no, absolutely. But those funds, one hundred percent, need to go to the people based off of what their needs are, and not just a hey, we're raising funds. You know, like or, the whole Oprah Winfrey. We're, uh, Oprah's on the but Oprah's on the ground front, so I'll give Oprah a pass. Yeah, Mimosa and Rock and those guys are just telling us not to go. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That's not. That's not what the island of Maui needs is for tourism to stop, okay? Yeah. Because the island of Maui requires tourism to keep their businesses alive and to keep flourishing. Yeah. Keep the locals working. Oprah lives there. Oprah has two big, massive ranches. She's actually on the ground level. So I love Oprah for this, that she's on the ground giving away cots and blankets and meeting people. Yeah. Rock is doing a... Not that I don't like The Rock or Jason Momo. I love those guys. They're great. But they're in L.A. or they're recording. Hey, stay away. I know the land. They don't know the land. They, they don't know the people that lost those those places, those properties. Yeah. Me, and, me, and Clint, you, me and you were just there. Yeah. We were at those little shops. We had some ice cream. We, we test rode some hats. We bought some shirts. You bought some jewelry. We were there last. We, like... Those people need help. Those people's voices need to be heard. That's right. right. And yeah. how do we help them? And how we help them is giving them some time, giving them some space, letting them have a voice. And then I'm assuming they're going to find some new property and they're going to start their new business, maybe off the line of strip. Yeah. Right? And they're going to tourist money to keep buying so that when Lahaina gets rebuilt... Unfortunately, it's not going to be ever be the same as what it once was because no, no, the, the new yeah. standards and, and building codes are going to take place. But they'll move back into those that location and they'll have business, right? So we need to support them in moving their businesses and a lot of people lost their lives. Yeah, of course. I mean, and that's, that's the elephant in the room, right? It's a, lot a lot of people are concerned about what's going to happen with my vacation property or, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know... 
it's the writings on the walls. People people lost their lives, mm -hmm. their livelihoods. There's so many more severe things here. But but going back to your initial statement is you have to listen to the people. And unfortunately, the government governor of Hawaii has already stated that the government is going to come in and, and the the state is going to buy all the lands in Lahaina and they're going to dump government funding into rebuilding. And it's like the locals there don't want that. They don't want their land to be purchased by the government. No, they don't want it at all. Yeah, so, you know, and, and we were talking about this at the beginning here. It's the difference between front line and, and sidelines, right? So you've got leaders that are right on the front lines. You said Oprah's, you know, that's a She's good example. There. Yeah, She's there. And then there's the sideline leadership where there's people that are trying to help from afar. Um, but understanding that, that sometimes being a leader, and I think I, I read this in one of your leadership moments is, is you got to take a step back sometimes and understand what your role is and you don't always need to be boots on the ground you know you can support from a from a distance right so yeah, yeah and that's and that's where the rock and those guys do what they do right they don't need to be on the ground they can be just soldiers they can be just advocates to raise funds and when we talk about funds and raising funds you want to make sure you're not going to uh, invest in those fraudulent funds there's a lot of companies, a lot of people that try to abuse these situations for personal gains. Absolutely. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're like double clicking on www.redcross.com or any of the one of those organizations to make sure that it's the actual real representation of the funds that you will invest that will go to the people. Yeah, pardon the pun, but when there's blood in the water, that's when the sharks come, right? And they they jump all over this, and they're they're looking to set up false funds to, yep. to capitalize. It's constant. It's terrible, but it happens. So yeah, yeah be be cautious of be, that. Be very, I would say, cautious. Do your due diligence. Make sure that you invest in the correct um, website, the correct fund that feeds i would say 100 percent of the money but you know 90 percent of the money because obviously 10 percent goes to pay the people that actually work for these organizations but yeah. make sure the most amount of money that you invest actually go to uh the people that need the help and um you know we have some you have some good uh links to different funds for yeah i'll, po I'll post those links i've done the research i've i've I'm actually headed to Maui in, uh, in about a week. I'm going to go help with some of the relief at a friend's church. And I'm going to go help just as a cleanup. Uh, just a guy doing some cleanup um, around Great. the area just to help with people in the Haina. Cool. Um, you know, using some of my holiday time to help the people less fortunate and maybe try to make a difference. Yeah. I'm sure at this point any, any little bit helps. Um, and it, you know, for people that don't know you, you're essentially a resident there. I mean, you have property yeah. there, you've got yeah, long-standing yeah. property. You spend I've been there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you're just a tourist going there mm -hmm. to take photos Absolutely. and yeah. yeah. No, I want, I, it, yeah, I'm taking photos with the banyan tree, uh, me and the banyan tree have a close relationship. I haven't, I haven't posted any pictures, but I've been with that banyan tree in Lahaina for about 20 plus years. So I've yeah. taken the same photo year over year. Every year I go to Lahaina, um, I take a picture with a banyan tree with this uh, very 
specific location, very specific arm of the tree. Yeah. As I grew um, in in size or strength or more tattoos or whatever, I grew with the tree, and so every picture is different, but the tree is still the same. Incredible. I wonder if that portion of the tree is still there. I've heard rumors where they're, I, th- I think they're working to see if the tree can still live. So yeah, yeah, it would be an incredible story. It would be a kind of a staple for Lahaina, like a Lahaina strong or something to that ilk. That if that tree does survive this fire, it'd be incredible and uh, probably something for the people of Lahaina to rally around to help build that community. Over. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I, what I want to talk about a little bit, and I brought it up in the very beginning, was there was one single home. That, that lasted in Lahaina. Yeah. So, um, the fire broke out. A lot of reasons why, and there's a lot of conspiracy sto- stories around it. We're we're not conspiracy theorists here. We're realists. But 99.9% of the building structures and homes in that area of Lahaina burned, except for one. And one one survived, and it stands out as a sore thumb. It's all gray, all burnt, all ash, and one roof is red. That's right. And one building still stands. And the the reason it still stands is it was a heritage home that was purchased, and it was remodeled under, I would say, twenty twenty ish standards. A metal roof, new. Um, um, new walls with um, hardy board, hardy plank wood. That's fire resistant. Uh, yeah, somewhat yeah. fire resistant with the with the wood roof, with new standards of infrastructure. And that building is the only one that is left standing. Incredible. And if we start thinking about all these wildfires and all these buildings that were taken down and all these buildings that burned, the government is not going to help us rebuild we are going to have to help and protect ourselves and so if this house doesn't stand out as kind of a new standard of building and a new standard of here's what we need to do for ourselves to be safe is cut back some of the greenery so it's not right up against our homes put metal roofs on hardy board or a concrete type wall surface stucco stucco um something that's not fire intrusive we we, we've adjusted our our environment by so much now that we have to make changes to how we live and we have to make changes to our building construction you stand building building codes codes and building practices you know even in the interior of british columbia in northern Canada, the Pacific Northwest of the United States, I think has to change. It all has to change. If you build a house in a forest, I mean, we're, we talked about this uh, many episodes ago about San, San yeah. Francisco or um, California and State Farm no longer insuring. Yes. We're going to run into a situation where these insurance companies will no longer insure homes due to fire threats. Absolutely. That's right. And so, it is going to be on us to clear our back property, to put up riprap fencing or riprap back yard so that a fi- if a fire did break out, it's our responsibility to protect our land. I've seen people with uh, fire or 
sprinklers on their roofs yeah. of their homes to protect their homes. So it's going to be on us. It's not the government's not going to protect us. A riprap is just large rock, right? A riprap yeah. is just large rock. You'll see it on the side of highways. It's very cheap. It's yeah. very easy to install, and it's ultimately a fire wall. Like the fire just kind of hits that rock and just stops. If you have nothing for the fire to burn through or to, the riprap just basically ends the fire. So what we're going to do, um, I'm going to put a pin in that. Clint's giving me the finger to the rolly, rolly, rolly. <laughs> and about a time constraint, I was just really passionate about no, it. No, I, I, I think there's a few subjects there that are points that we oh, still didn't get across. Yeah. But yeah, you know, we can put a pin and, and circle we'll back. Circle back. And I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be in Hawaii in about a week. Yeah, great. Um, we're going to talk about transitions in companies. Um, so we have uh, some situations where a company may acquire a bigger company or vice versa. A small company may have the ability to buy a, a different company. And as a leader, how do you handle being one of those acquisition partners mm -hmm. and, and absorbing a new team? Like, what are the steps that you want to take as a leader um, when you're the company purchasing, and I would uh, say I would okay, say yeah. to you, um, as a leader out there, that you want to be engaged early and often. You want to meet the team that you've just acquired. You want to do your own assessments, and you want to make sure that HR provides you with as much information as possible. How many years of service this individual has? Yeah. How yeah. much? How much? training does this individual have and you want to make those face-to-face -face connections because you want to make some judgment calls most likely you're going to be tapped on the shoulder that you need to do a certain amount and unfortunately this happens because of acquisitions a certain amount of layoffs for sure of or reductions your team cannot be 100 strong you already have 50 from the previous company what are you going to do from the new acquisition company how many people do you need to make things work. We saw this with Twitter. We've seen this with Apple. We've seen this with Google. We're just seeing this change. And so as a leader of the company that purchased, you really want to do a deep dive into what you've acquired, what the infrastructure is like with those individuals, what they do, and how they, I guess, compete for the work that's available. For sure, yeah, and you're navigating like some very tricky waters in the sense of uh, new personalities, corporate culture. Oh, the culture. You know, if your culture is not the same as the uh, culture of the business that you're purchasing, uh, that that's something you have to be really cognizant of. I do, I do like your idea of just getting in front of it right away, having an open mind, and and having meeting meet and greets with each individual. Oh, you have to exploratory conversations. Where you're at, what's your goal. Uh, what have you been working on? You know, you couple that with the HR side, where you've got their strengths and weaknesses, and their you know, and their you know, their resumes or CVs or whatever, or, or making sure that they didn't have some issues or red flags on their um, totally on the file, right? So they yeah. may have had two strikes already. Well, why did they have those two strikes, right? So, or they may have had um, an issue that came up, or you know, any of that. You, you need to engage with HR to make sure. For sure. Um, and understand your team. 
That's right. And explain to them what, what the vision is, right? A lot of these companies are getting, being absorbed. Sometimes the frontline staff doesn't even know why they're being absorbed. You know, I find if when you explain the big picture, this is why, and this is this is how come this happened. This is what our two-year plan looks like. This mm-hmm. is where we want to go yeah. as a company. Sometimes employers are like, no, well, no one's ever told me that, you know, and yeah. you actually might even get a, a rebuy-in, uh, maybe like a reinvigorated employee, right? I've got a new start. I've got yeah. a new boss. I've got a new, you know, so so keep that in mind. You Somebody that was even maybe an outlier or a fringe type of employee. Was hoping might, for a purchase. Yeah, might all of a sudden become one of your rock stars, right? Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. So you, you will be scared uh, um, as, a, as a leader or as one of those folks that are now been acquired. Yes. And it's okay to be scared, right? You, you don't know the landscape. Uncertainty, yeah. Right, the uncertainty behind the acquisition. Take some time to understand the culture of the company. The culture is huge because if you don't fit the culture of the company, most likely you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be on board with it. So as a leader, you want to get engaged and, and really p- preach the culture For and sure. get to know whether or not these people will be uh, able to join the team and carry on the journey and the vision of this new company or yeah almost like you're going back to step one and we talked about this in the earlier podcast when you're when you're actually recruiting someone or, or going through the interview process and i always look at the three fits right so is this individual fit for the role yep check yep. Or, or x right hopefully check are they fit for the team so this is the new team we're building are they going to fit in well with the team you know is their role um something that's relevant to the team are they adding value or is it something that we could do without i'm lost for words here yeah and then you fit to the organization and that comes into the culture Mm -hmm. right will they fit into the culture is this somebody that that lives and breathes you know accountability and integrity and 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 some of our core values as as an organization and if they don't then you know if they don't check all those boxes then that's somebody that's going to be on the fence of whether or not you're going to keep them and work with them or at that time you're doing 50 percent layoffs they're in the layoff pool unfortunately and and there might be some somebody some diamonds in the rough that may fit a different part of the organization because you'll have connections within your company that oh this is probably a good fit for this other organization that's right and this is a a high performance person that just doesn't fit my group but could fit a different group so you could actually hand over the information to another leader that you work with right absolutely i don't want you know anyone to be you know, just let astray and just cut for no reason. But sometimes there's it's a numbers game. And sometimes big organizations will just have a number on somebody's head, 9005441, and needs improvement, and that's, a, that's, that's an immediate cut. Even though that individual could be someone that's working their way up or just been promoted but needs... Yeah, you know... It- and it's it's tricky. I think every situation is dynamic, and maybe maybe if you're a good leader, you're looking at putting that person into a different department that might have some gaps. Yeah. Looking at their strengths, maybe maybe coaching them and guiding them, succession planning with somebody else on on putting them into into a better role. But those options, when it's a when it's something like a, a merger of a of a significant size, yeah, you 
you can't do that with 50 employees or 100 employees. It's no. just, it's unmanageable. So yeah. unfortunately, at that point in time, it really does come down to... It's a, and sometimes you can be mandated that it's a quick, yeah. a quick fix. You know, you have a week, two weeks, and really it's looking at just numbers. Yeah. And if you're one of those people that um, just get that number pulled, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Okay. No, it make feels sure, like it at the time. It does. Yep. Uh, make sure that you uh, seek legal representation and uh, get your proper worth um, because you want to make sure that you get that proper worth when you're leaving. For sure. There's also options for you to get support. So support in how to write a resume, support in um, leadership and some training. Uh, most companies, when they do the acquisition of a larger company, will actually give people six months of training skills. Don't not take that information. Don't not take that training. Take it. It will help you in the long run. And it, it, you can actually meet some other people and potentially find some connections that will help you find new jobs. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, we're going to put a pin in it. We're going to go jump right into... Uh, the Surrey special. Oh yeah, the Surrey, and the Surrey special. special. Um, we, uh, I will tell you, I squeeze um, some fresh grapefruits for this cocktail. Yeah, and uh, I'll give you a little bit of history on the uh, bicycle thief cocktail. And it was originally on the menu at Dutch Kills and created by Zachary Gilnaw and Reuben and Abraham Hawkins. The Bicycle Thief cocktail became a favorite of New York bartender Megan Dorman. The drink eventually became her staff pick for the What We Are Drinking section of the menu at Rain's Law Room. So this is all in New York. And what I'm going to tell you is this is a, a, kind of an effervescent drink. So we are talking one ounce of Campari, which me and Clint have... Uh, um, talked about in a few different uh, podcasts and drinks yes. we're talking one ounce of gin half ounce of fresh lemon juice which i squeezed today a one and a half ounces of fresh grapefruit juice which i also squeezed today and a half ounce of simple syrup and then topped off with some soda water this is not a shaken drink this is a drink in a tall glass and stirred we will garnish it with either an orange. We're going to go with an orange uh, pinwheel or a grapefruit slice. And we're just going to, Clint's going to stir it up here. And then he's going to add the soda water to top it up. It's kind of a pinky red in color due to the um, Campari and the grapefruit juice. And I think this is going to be a fantastic drink for our end of kind of end of summer. Clint's adding the orange pinwheel, and we're gonna take a photo to share with everybody on X, which is ten in Roman numerals. Thank you, Elon Musk, for getting rid of the bird, and we've we've adjusted to uh, this new cocktail. Get out of that picture. Photobomb. You photobombed our own picture for the cocktail. All right, everybody. Clint's gonna plug back in. Unfortunately, oh, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm back. <laughs> Did you miss me? Hey, Nestravie. Mm. 
sexy. Hold on. Oh, isn't that good? <laughs> never, never felt so good to be a bicycle thief. My Marucci just got returned. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a for like, that drink. <laughs> uh, okay, this. I mean, we we need to maybe like figure out a scale. Like thumb, Ooh. you know, there's like the thumbs up and thumbs down. Like we've tried some drinks, we kind of like, uh, not 100 percent sure. Yeah, for sure. This is not a hard one, to make if you get a like a proper squeeze. And I, I would be always forward talking. Fresh is best. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like buying store bought lemon juice or grapefruit juice. I physically squeeze the stuff. This is the best. So. If you want a drink to impress some friends that like cocktails, cocktails, yeah, and you're in a situation, um, girlfriends or guys coming over, and this is kind of this is like a drink to start the evening, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is pretty. This is a pretty good drink. Like, it, yeah, yeah, I'd say this is before you start drinking some beers or you start drinking some margaritas. This is that starter that go. Hey, what's in that? Absolutely. What is it? What is in that drink? I like it. It's it's tart, but it's it's sweet at the same time, and it's it's just a re it's refreshing. It's kind of got it all. It's I'm I'm a really yeah, good fan. Yeah, I was almost done. I'm yeah. happy we called it the series special. Yes, the series. Hey, representing Wally Newton. Sorry. Yes. Cloverdale. Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um but uh, so season three, episode five's in the books. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, um, thank you. And apologies for kind of the delay between episodes. We've just been extremely busy with travel, with work, and with meeting new people and doing kind of interviews with people. Just kind of uh, for myself, just learning. I'm doing a lot of learning right now. Um, I will be in uh, Hawaii for. A week and a bit and um, supporting um, some efforts to clean up and help people there and uh, as soon as I get back we'll I'll share yeah let's talk about that. absolutely share you know what's going on on the ground at the ground level and, and what leaders are doing there yeah that, that, I was gonna say like yeah I want to know what the leaders are doing there who are the people that are are leading some of these initiatives and and what your interaction with those folks are yeah. like and I know yeah. I know some people connected to the the state and to the um, the, the governor there and the mayor there um, so we, I'll be probably meeting with a few of those people just to understand uh, how I can help yeah. And how right. we can maybe bring forward some Canadian support as well. I know we have we need to support our own homeland with uh, Kelowna, West Kelowna, and um, Northwest Territories, Yukon, and um, Shuswap. But uh, you know, uh, it's just sad. It, honestly, it's just sad. We, we have photos of me and you on the strip in Lahaina that uh, no longer exists. So, yeah. yeah. And that was that was less than a year ago. Fortunately enough, I've been there twice in my life and, oh, and yeah, enjoyed both so times. times. And so I have those memories. But you know, my children will go there and they'll never get to see what Lahaina used oh. to be like, which is which is sad. So yeah, the heritage, the old rickety wood floors, and and probably <laughs> didn't even meet building code. But no, it, definitely it not. Was, it was just a piece. You know, Jamie Buffett and Lahaina. I mean, just a peaceful. 
comfortable area. So Absolutely. we're going to send you guys out. I think Clint's got a little special for us here to. Send I got to hear. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we will see you with the episode six shortly. Yeah, love you. Oh,